3: why are you so hysterical
2: we always wanted people actually talk about it i did not
0: hit her it's not true it's bullshit i did
3: not hit her i did not
1: oh hi mark please again
3: which is reflection you are my rose which is track 29 of 29 on the soundtrack album
1: oh hi luke thanks for that uh, I, I actually I, haven't had met that many notes on the soundtrack because so much of the music is interchangeable in my head.
3: I went out... I, I was discussing this yesterday with Ellen for some reason. Um, while we were oh, hi, by the way. Oh, hi. Is that I, at some point in my life, I think it must have been about a year ago, actively decided the music in the room is good. I'm going to go on Amazon and order the soundtrack album and then Weird. bought the CD. Weird. Then went through the stage of, uh, of p- putting the disc into... Um, my laptop downloading it onto itunes and adding it to my phone and still thought that was a good idea up to that point and then listen to it I, yeah i i hardly have any memory of the actual decisions i just have memory of the cd arriving and then of the music being on my phone i did listen to it the other day actually
2: i feel like the music just reminds me of the love scenes yeah it's a bit, it's a bit awkward mm-hmm. <laughs> yes the score's fine
3: all of the actual songs are just the sex scene songs. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: And they're a bit, it's a bit sinister. Yes. Do you not think? I think it's a bit, you know, a bit creepy. Doesn't quite fit what's going on, even though I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> but I also hate the fact that when I was
3: making notes for this minute, I was singing along to You Are My Rose. I didn't know I knew the words, but I did.
0: Part of me is really proud of you. <laughs> and the other part, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> oh, hi, Johan. Huh? Hello.
1: Before the credits get rolling, uh, uh, I'd just like to quote. Professor Ross Morin again, the guy who said Citizen Kane of bad movies. This is in the Daily Times, 12 April 2009. Through the complete excess in every area of production, the room reveals to us just how empty, preposterous, and silly the films and television programs we've watched over the past couple of decades have been. The real question is, did he know what he was doing? He claims that everything was done on purpose. But any viewer can see that the film is that of someone who has completely failed to do everything he was attempting. Either way, there is only one conclusion, divine intervention. <laughs> so, my question before we get to the credits is, is the room a comedy? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> no. Well, there's too many different things that would lead you to believe it were a comedy had it existed in a movie, like proper timing. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
3: I, I do think a film can become a comedy, as we see with this. And I think American Werewolf in London was the same, right?
0: Well, that, was... that one
1: was supposed to be fun. I haven't watched that movie in a while. It's, I know it's supposed to be a comedy. Initially, they called it that. I don't remember how funny it is. Oh,
2: okay, But what is purposely funny? Like, is are there any lines in this that are actually funny? I think Claudette's lines are supposed to be. I know. Are any? What are all these people? But I feel like you know? I feel like you don't laugh at them. Well, no. I feel like just, you just laugh. Just at Just because the they're film not funny
1: doesn't mean they weren't meant to be. There may be lines mm. here supposed to be funny. The you know, the line about the burglar. Yeah. Or the other Claudette one, or
3: doesn't your apartment have a kitchen? The Claudette line is yeah. also probably supposed to be quite funny.
1: And I think the underwear story oh, yeah. mm. is supposed to be funny. Oh, I, I guess. Peter falling I guess they down is supposed funny. to be funny <laughs>
2: because they're, they're they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's
1: yeah. Hmm. We have to care for it to be funny.
2: Yeah,
3: the best comedy isn't written, and comedy has always been so close to tragedy. True, and it's also that, that's always isn't been the it, case. So. Yeah, most comedy films you watch, especially British comedy, but American as well, comedy is linked so much to tragedy, Oh intentionally so. Yeah, but we're watching. A tragedy in a man trying to make a successful film, and that's where the comedy lies. Because he fails. So in a, in a sense, the comedy is coming from where comedy has always existed, which is that our ambition, the goal, which we're seeing failing, is for the movie to work. Yeah. So whilst we're not invested in the characters in the movie, we're invested in wanting it to be a good movie. So in a way, the comedy lies in our relationship with the film as a viewer rather than the characters' relationships with each other.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
2: Did anyone get what Luke said? I got. I got lost, <laughs> but I
1: think it made sense.
0: This is kind of like when you bought the yeah. the album; like you just black out <laughs> in this like whole endorse towards the room, and you come to you and you're like, "What happened?"
1: I assume he said something po- too positive, <laughs> and he just blocked it out. <laughs> but you're sa- you're saying the failure is not in the film; it's the failure is the film.
3: Yes, but it creates the same effect because it still lies in tragedy, like most comedy films are. As long as we know that, yeah.
1: Now the first people to go see this because it happened to be on at the Fairfax did they know what they were going to see?
3: That's what I wondered because it's, so...
1: it, it's not like the screening in the disaster artist they didn't have everyone decided it was a comedy there and then that happened over time
3: I think those who were in the film probably who knew it was going to be bad came to just yeah. have a bit of a laugh at how awful their
1: life and was maybe relatives of theirs friends
3: yeah I don't but know. I think those two uni students who kicked off the whole midnight screening concept. The weirdest thing is, as we said, like, the enjoyment comes from knowing that you're going into a bad film. Something bad, yeah. They didn't have that, and yet it still worked for them. Was it because they were drunk?
1: That's that's another thing, speaking of something you said last time, Alan, like, the acting, what they're saying is they didn't have a script. They got the script three pages at a time roughly so they never knew what the whole story was they didn't get to see oh this is dumb and generic
2: and the thing is if they watched it say a premiere or something if they managed mm-hmm. to get that it's they're watching it and they're like i still don't know what's going on <laughs>
3: right yeah <laughs> which i could imagine that being a really interesting technique for a good movie to get like specific reactions off people like i know they've they used they did that with you know, hiding spoilers with a lot of big films and TV shows is they'd get a different version of the script, or they'd get bits cut out. Yeah. So that, as a concept, is great. And if, in a way, they wanted the I'm giving Tommy too much credit here, obviously, but if, in a way, he wanted the characters to not know what was going on and for it to be so weird for them, it would make sense as a technique. Yeah. But, but it then just maybe <laughs> we
2: would have had we would have had more emotion from the characters, yes, from the actors if they knew what was going on.
1: Yeah, and then you film it in mostly chronological order, which is what they did. And yeah, that could yeah. work. I don't think that's what this was, but that could work.
2: Tommy wasn't
3: directing, it could work.
1: Yeah.
2: I would say maybe it's to make it cheaper, but obviously, obviously not. Yeah. Considering the price that it cost.
0: I think it was like more like Tommy didn't want he wanted to make it cheaper with what he did for the actors, but not what he did towards the movie. Not
1: for himself, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think that's kind of where the that little bit of like how everybody's kind of taking the three pages yeah because if you don't know tommy you'd think that he was writing this on a fly and you'd have zero faith in the project and i think that's where the detachment of like why you can't attach yourself to the plight of the the characters yeah Yeah. is because they had no no connection
1: which is why steven is so great is because he comes in so late he hasn't been confused
3: (laughs) yeah yeah i think a lot of the film is tommy having a sort of power complex Oh, yeah. If we are going off the idea that maybe elements of this film are based on his own life and yeah. the ways in which women have treated him, then you could imagine that he's been treated like a piece of dirt for a lot of his life.
1: Yeah. So once he has money, he's going to throw it around in a way that appeases him.
3: He's going, yeah, he's going to throw it around in a way in which he's above everyone else. He's got his special yeah. toilet on set. He's the face on the billboard that's up in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. He is the man who's in charge of this entire film because that's the way and it's kind of i think we talked about this on the show before because his company is now tommy's planet that he has now taken on the way that people have treated him and tried to Mm -hmm. flip that in order to give himself the power and which in a way might have been really great for his own psychological stuff but i don't think anyone can get inside tommy's brain uh, to figure that out but yeah that that's the only explanation i can give this film (laughs)
0: Well, I don't think it helped him with the psychological issues because it felt like he's trying to rewrite history Mm -hmm. versus confronting.
3: Mm, That's very true. Yeah, it's like he's very clearly living through Johnny, which is probably why Juliette Danielle was not comfortable with doing the sex scene again when he added the new one, is because Tommy is Johnny. Yeah. If there was that separation between Tommy as the writer-director and Johnny as the character, then... I, I feel like she'd be more comfortable with the sex scenes, but when he's adding it in for himself to live through is where it becomes uncomfortable.
2: But then also, it was probably just awkward for her. The whole yeah. situation. Yeah. She had her, you know, everything on show, pretty much. And, yeah. you know, his weird way of I feel weird saying it, I'm just not going to. Yeah, I'm just shutting up.
3: <laughs> he added the second one in partway through, wasn't it? That wasn't even in the Plan, well, the,
1: the second the one is just a re-edit of the first one, same footage.
3: But I feel like I read somewhere that after the first one, he decided there needed to be another one, and she wouldn't do it.
0: Well, here's why. Here is what I think makes it a little bit more awkward for Juliet to kind of agree to those scenes, especially if they're barely getting the script in time. Yeah, You're literally on set, and then you find out you have to be naked again
2: yes yeah that's the point
1: well yeah because they didn't even initially have a bedroom set and then he decided to film the suicide in there and he's like oh and that's mm-hmm. where we'll do the sex scene
0: and then the suicide like is basically that well that morbid fantasy where like who's gonna mourn me when i'm gone and you kind of want to know what your funeral mm-hmm. will be like and i think that's what it was yeah but if you're not getting a script in time and like you realize you're, you're playing football in a tux one day and then you realize you're going to be crying the, the next day. You're, you cannot get prepared, but then imagine being that person that says, that gets a script and saying, guess what? You're naked again today.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like as, as like a, a female, mm-hmm. it is kind of one of those things where you can wake, I feel like males do it as well, but you can wake up and you just feel not good some days. Mm-hmm. And maybe she just didn't feel like, confident in herself that day as well so that wouldn't have helped
3: yeah and then to add to that the ways in which she is treated ironically i'd say but in in the midnight screenings for a long time didn't she have issues with that and her own kind of self-esteem understandably
1: i think so yeah and that makes sense with the midnight screenings I
2: i mean people are laughing aren't they
3: yeah and whilst they are responding to Lisa, the character, mm-hmm. it definitely goes too far at some points where you could think, oh, yeah. actually, this was probably a lot for her to do this, for that risk to then be responded just as the butt of a joke mm-hmm. is a lot to confront. And she's quite religious now as well, isn't she, Danielle?
1: Uh Maybe. I, I know she's. Kind of away from everything Hollywood and the screen, I don't know when the last time she went to a screening was.
3: Does she does? She still does a uh, pictures of spoons though, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, she paints those and sells them on Etsy. Although last I I recently checked and they she didn't have any currently available.
2: But yeah, it's, they sold out pretty quick apparently.
1: <laughs> I almost bought one.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: I, don't I, now you. the show's
1: over so I won't.
3: Yeah, she seems to be fairly kind of religious on her social media, whether she was at the time or not. But if she was, then it's probably. Even more of a of a compromise of values to partake hmm. that for that to be the response is awful. There's a thing on her website, JulietDanielle.com, where she says, I starred in the cult film The Room with Tommy Wiseau in 2003. I hid for a long time, hoping the unwelcome attention would subside. But after 15 plus years of midnight screenings all over the world and the release of the disaster artist, that doesn't appear to be happening. Some of my other acting roles includes Texas Cotton, Ghost Shark 2, till uh, urban claws till morning um the trouble with barry development hell and irl i'm retired from film appearances and interviews and i like it that way and then there's stuff about herself but i won't read through all of that but she says i love the room fans i love and appreciate the creativity enthusiasm and support over the years my goal for this website is to try and find the mythical perfect balance to allow fans to enjoy being fans but also give them a space to learn about the other 99.99 percent of my life my biggest wish is that new fans can hold a space in their hearts for the more authentic side of me. I could not be more different than the character I played so many years ago. And for the love of all that's holy, I hope that someday the room will not be the first thing listed on my obituary, mm. which I think is very, very nice and very, very understandable.
2: So she's she is clearly aware. Yeah. Like she was put in a situation which makes women look bad, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was one of those, like, this is... A very initial acting role so she yeah. kind of went with it
1: well and it's part of why any of the actors stuck around is they knew he had money yeah they knew they'd get paid and all they have to do most of the time is sit around and just wait and see if he's got a scene they in it's an easy job when you're just starting
3: yeah in a weird way he was he was treating the actors like extras in just hang about and wait till i decide i mm-hmm. need you yep yeah so greg line producer for greg did he do anything? Because <laughs> you, you need access to a good schedule and plan. And I don't think anyone actually
1: knows entirely what a line producer does. Well, as far as they scheduled anything, he was in charge of it.
3: Okay. I did joke with producer of a f- film I'm working on at the moment, and we were kind of like, what actually does a line producer do? And we're like, well, n- none of us know. They just, <laughs> they do some things that the production manager doesn't. But I don't think this film had a production manager.
1: This film had not a lot. Speaking of the credits, though, we got the actors first. Mm. You know, we've talked about. Who's top? Hutt, well, Johnny, uh, Tom Rousseau, <laughs> Lisa, Julia, Daniel, Mark, Greg Sistero, Danny is fourth, Philip Alderman, Claudette is fifth, Carolyn Minot, then Michelle, Robin Paris, Mike, Scott Holmes, Chris R., Dan Gingigian, Peter, Kyle Vogt, and Stephen, Greg Ellery. And then we get some extras. Party member number one. I was
2: just going to say, they're all listed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. Piper Gore. She's the one with the oh. uh, long, dark hair and the one who was having a conversation with herself.
2: Oh, okay. I remember her. <laughs> party
1: member two, Carrie McDermott, is the one in the blue dress, the one that says to the guy extra, what do you mean, hot? I didn't know who Jen Vanderblank was, party member number three, until I finally saw her in just the episode that just went out yesterday as we're recording this. She shows up in like two shots. She's standing in the background. She's not there when they say surprise, but she's there later.
3: But she's got credit over the other extras. So she's maybe someone who- Well, there's only one more until we get to the San
1: Francisco unit. Party member number four, which is Bennett, who had a line because he's the one who says, Lisa looks hot tonight. And he hit a balloon. That's that's actually one of the most clearly
3: heard lines as well. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. But yeah, she gets credit above that. I don't know why they put him in the order they did.
3: Is it weird? Okay, the units being listed separately, sure. It's weird for Tommy and Greg to get the two credits, right?
1: Yes, because you don't actually you don't normally separate the acting by unit.
3: No, the closest the closest thing I've seen to that is Four Weddings and a Funeral in the credits deliberately separates all the acting by each wedding and funeral, huh. which I liked. But this made no sense to me. It was like I my my notes literally say all the more credits for Tommy Wiseau, I guess. Clearly, he didn't have enough.
1: Well, yeah, um, he and he and Greg get a lot of credits in here. Still not as bad as Neil Breen, but I'll talk about that on Friday.
0: Did he add Greg in a lot of credits because he still wanted to be friends with him regardless probably. of all? Yeah, yeah.
1: And Greg did do a lot of that stuff. It, probably they had a checklist of jobs. They're like, okay, what is that? Who did that? He's like, oh, Greg did that. So they just kept putting it in. I doubt Tommy himself sat at a computer and typed these in. So... There was some translation. There's the second unit of acting, San Francisco, which has Johnny and Mark listed again. And then we get Susan. She was at the coffee shop, her pad memoir. Barista number two, even though Susan's not listed as barista number one. That's Darren Jennings. Then we get coffee shop number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's coffee shop. Thomas E. Webster, which I think is the annoying guy behind Mark who keeps looking at the camera. Coffee shop number two is Nora DeMarkey. That's the slice of cheesecake and a bottle of water. And then coffee shop number three, listed as a but her name is Ariel. Mitkowski. She's the one who orders a large peanut butter cup with extra whipped cream, please. And, well, Johan, you're here. <laughs> She's the the goth girl that Johan kept talking about. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. And I found her website where she's got a bunch of pictures. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's her. And then coffee shop number... I was going to yeah. say
3: to Ellen, this is what I was saying about the amount of prep that Robert does compared to the amount of prep that I've done for everything. So <laughs> this is, yeah,
1: this is... Coffee shop number four is Frank Willie, who it would then be the one who says cheesecake and a coffee. And he's a guy with glasses and a receding hairline. And he actually was in the Actors Theatre of San Francisco do it working on stage for a few years following this
3: um why the heck is my Hmm. favorite character the woman in the flower shop not credited
1: i know technically there's two people i think she didn't want to be (laughs) i think she actually didn't want to be even though she insisted on being in the scene she didn't want her name on it i don't know why the other thing i noticed at this point in the credits i was curious sandy chaclair is not in these credits anymore Hmm.
3: oh that is strange
1: so they removed sandy chaclair
3: would he have been in the original credits?
1: Cause... Yes. He's script supervisor, is the credit that Greg says he had in Disaster Riders. I believe his name was in the credits before.
3: My my first introduction to what a script supervisor does, and the first script supervisor I ever known of, was Sandy So It's so weird hmm. <laughs> that he's not... Yeah, Who the heck is Drew Caffrey? He's got a few credits, doesn't he, on this?
1: Yes. That is my next note. The credits list Drew Caffrey as script supervisor... He's also credited as San Francisco Casting and Extras Casting, and he's one of Mr. Rousseau's five assistants listed in the credits. Drew Caffrey died years before this film was made and had nothing to do with it, never heard of it. Um what? I'm not entirely sure who Drew Caffrey is, but he is, was apparently a friend of Tommy's from a few years earlier who died, and so he put his name Did in the Tommy credits. Tommy know he was dead? Yes, he gives him credits that, like, it doesn't matter, he's just putting his name on the screen. It-
0: I'd like to believe that part of it is just kind of a favor that one day when one of them make it big, that they'll give him a crit. Mm, That'd be cool. I guess it's like people still think, well, that to inspire acting, you try and dig deep to something that could be tied to something emotional to your own past, and then you use that as a projection tool. Mm -hmm. And maybe he thought it would be the same as being a writer, but like using the pain of somebody else's, and then using that as some tool because he felt sympathy for the the man who passed. And then he's like, oh, this will draw sympathy, sympathy for Johnny.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. When did Tommy and Greg first meet?
1: I uh, don't know offhand.
3: Like, <laughs> was it before Drew Caffrey passed away? Drew Caffrey's death is 99.
1: I don't know. Because Greg doesn't say much about him. He talks about Drew for like a paragraph. And it's mostly what I just said. Hmm. That he's dead, but he gets four credits anyway. I don't even remember where I got the thing about it being a friend of Tommy's, because I think that was something not the Disaster Artist. I think, I think it was an interview. In The Disaster Artist, when he lists some credits at the beginning, Greg lists Sandy Chaclair as script supervisor. So, and that's what Sandy Chaclair says he did. Well, one of the things he did. Also directing.
3: Script supervisor is one of those roles which I can actually see quite easily going into directing. Yeah. In a way. Because it, it's one of the roles in which you have to inform the director of things. Mm-hmm. Where if he if he starts then going, oh, actually, could we do this a little better? And he he's strong enough to have his own input. I mean, I I assume Sandy Sinclair had done other stuff before the room.
1: Yes, he he worked on other things in various roles. We talked about him many episodes ago. I don't remember how much he'd done, but yeah, and he still does stuff. And he's now. Got together with someone who worked on this. I don't remember who. Is it the makeup? Ah, it's been a while since I read Sandy Shawclair's book. He talks about it in there. Someone he met because of this movie.
3: That's sweet. So that's nice. But yeah, he's no longer
1: credited here. <laughs>
3: the casting would almost make slight sense if Drew was someone maybe who would work with Tommy and they'd met a few actors together who we'd introduced him to.
1: Or if he was Tommy's acting teacher.
3: Yes. But script supervisor just does not. That is a very important role that is on set. <laughs> it's strange, but it's also a lovely dedication
1: in in another way. It would have been, I think, better if he had it as a dedication.
3: A dedication or even exec producer, I think, would have been acceptable. Oh, uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, because if it weren't the way it's listed, you're just like, uh, more people that actually worked on this film. But if it were dedication, you'd actually be a little bit more sympathetic to the name.
1: Or even both. I, I think you hit one of the nails just now, though, Johan. I think this is the Neil Breen thing too. Is he doesn't have to list all these things in the credits. True. Sure. This isn't a union film. Ooh. He yeah. could just list of, like ten things and be done. But he wants credits because this is a movie, damn it. Hey, well, it has to have them.
3: Making credits is so much fun. It's the it's the point in which you go. This is a proper film. Yeah. I from page one of writing is go, are going oh, I can't wait to make the credits. I've often got like a plan of everything in place as to how it's all going to look. Sometimes I'll just sit together on video editor and make it for fun. So I completely understand Tommy's appeal of let's make the credits as long and as professional as we can. Yeah.
2: Do you think he added more of his name just just so it was longer? Well, I think
1: he added more credits and then so he had to fill them in. So he credits himself with multiple things. He credits Greg with multiple things. He credits Drew Mm. Caffrey with multiple things because that's someone...
2: To make it to make it longer,
3: yeah, yeah, which I think weirdly takes away from the professionality of the credits. I think,
1: if you pay attention to them, if you watch the movie once and don't read the credits, you just know the credits went for two minutes. It's it's in a new movie, yeah,
3: yeah. Rather than written by and director Tommy Wiseau, if you just had written and directed by Tommy Wiseau as one credit, mm-hmm. that just instantly makes it not feel like he's repeating himself so much. Which I'm going to get right. I'm going to get into my angry thing about this. There's written by Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. There's casting by, for uh, Chloe Leachy, or uh, pronounce
1: that? Well, Leachy, who had nothing to do with this movie.
3: And then director, Tommy Wiseau. Not directed by, like the style of the rest of the ways things are written. Right. Director. And that angered me way more than it should have done. <laughs> that really annoyed me. Well,
1: it's, it's no one cared <laughs> if, the, if the credits were correct. Or if they were formatted consistently, they just wanted credits, because that's what a movie has.
2: But again, as an average viewer, do you look at it and watch the credits? I do, but I'm not an average viewer. I actively watch the credits, credits, but
3: how (laughs) much of that is actually reading the credits may be a different thing.
2: And taking it in. Feel the
3: obligation when I watch a film, especially if I enjoy it, of, okay, I'm going to sit through and watch the credits. Whether I'm knowingly taking in the names is probably a different matter i think i am but i'm probably not Mm.
0: well i just started thinking about it maybe it's kind of like a way that the formatting of why he writes director kind of like a cast listing Mm. instead of directed by Mm,
1: maybe yeah Yeah.
3: i I think end credits are like local newspapers you only care about them if you're in them
1: right and if you're the one who writes them yeah they can say whatever you want yeah he didn't want to be directed by
3: because i've I've always loved that about local newspapers because i've been the same with the terms i've been on it's like Oh yeah, I'm in the news local newspaper. No one's read it. Only the, your friends and family. who you go, hey, look, I'm in the I'm in an article. <laughs> that there, there are very few people who sit around and read it. Your face is lining cat litter trays instead.
2: <laughs> like normally, my family would never buy the newspaper, so I'd hear it from other yeah. people if my name was in it. Yeah, I think that, I guess there. Yeah, I guess so there are some. I find people that who, interesting. Who so maybe people do read the credits, and but, we're just yeah. we just think we're superior.
1: Or maybe they just don't listen to the credits at all. And so now I'm not gonna ask where they can hear more yeah,
2: from you. Just turn it off. Leave us.